In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And we're here today with Atlanta Journal-Constitution Deputy Managing Editor. Is that your title still? That is my title. <laughs> Leroy Chapman. <laughs> um, and we just had a, uh, we're, we're minutes after, a very interesting uh, moment in the AJC newsroom. We had House Speaker Nancy Pelosi come in for about an hour, closer to an hour and a half, to speak with a room full of reporters, editors, columnists, and all sorts of other folks um, about a, a range of issues. Yeah, real, really is our conference room so packed. So we normally have VIPs and people who are you know, important in our community and our state who come by to, to talk to us about whatever's on their mind. And uh, so this was one that you understood how special it was because it was a packed, packed room. And it was uh, a newsworthy visit because uh, we talked not only about impeachment, of course, the topic of the day, um, and how the, the basically the tide had turned a couple weeks ago among the House Democratic Caucus with many, many, many Democratic lawmakers who were uh, on the fence on impeachment or, or, or actually, you know, fervently against it, flipping as news of President Trump's phone call with Ukraine's leader came to light, and you had um, four of Georgia's five Democratic congressmen flip like that, including John Lewis. And she was at Congressman John Lewis's place for a fundraiser and decided to stop by the AJC afterwards. And she talked about um, why she's she also flipped on impeachment. Yeah. But um, again, I'm trying to be respectful as I can with the president. I, this is a really solemn thing. This is not anything to be taken lightly impeachment of the President of the United States. And I think that you, when you weigh the equities, is this something that is going to, it's divisive, as it always is. It's divisive. It, is it worth it? I've never really thought he was worth it. I mean, he is what he is, and take it up in the election. But his actions give us no choice. The Constitution is worth it. The republic, if you can keep it, is worth it, and our democracy is worth it. And hence, we have introduced those articles. We are at a serious moment in our country's history. It was clear uh, when she got here, she really wanted to talk about impeachment. So it's funny because when we started, we wanted to talk about Georgia politics, how we uh, will um, uh, figure into the 2020 election, you know, all the, the, the very parochial kind of view. And uh, she wanted to talk about politics. In fact, it was funny because she interjected. She was like, you know, our republic is at stake and you want to talk politics. 
which, uh, you know, she was uh, prepared to talk about it. And it was interesting to hear her talk about it in terms of uh, what she thought uh, is the math for her and for the uh, uh, for the Democrats and uh, what she thought was public sentiment and also, too, how resolute she seemed uh, in the path for impeachment. Uh, so there, there didn't seem to be uh, anything uh, with her that, that seemed to be um, uh, shaky on that ground. It sound, she sounded pretty solid. Yeah, she said, our Constitution is hanging by a thread and you're asking political questions. That's really set the stage for how she cast the entire hour-long interview was essentially that this was not a political decision to, to, to pursue impeachment inquiry against President Trump. It was a moral and ethical decision for the stake of our de- democracy. She kept on repeating over and over again, um, basically, that the lawmakers weren't elected to go try to impeach someone. They were elected to, to fight for, for values and to help American families, but that tr- President Trump's action forced Democrats' Democrats' hand, right? Yeah, yeah she, she repeatedly talked about, you know, the co-equal branches of government and the limits of presidential power, uh, how the president is, has behaved and, and what some of his actions might mean, you know, uh, in, in, in light of uh, what uh, we're seeing now with uh, what's happening with the Ukraine. Uh, and even what he said uh, uh, yesterday when he began, you know, talking about China. So uh, she, she, her view of it is certainly that uh, this is a constitutional potentially crisis moment uh, and that um, she thinks that the American people are understanding a little bit more of what, what's at stake. And uh, I think she came in with some talking points, and I'm sure we'll hear those, some of those repeated. And the news of the day, and we're, we're speaking here on Friday, so the news of the day was President Trump said he was going to send a letter to Nancy Pelosi um, saying that without a formal impeachment vote, a vote to begin proceedings, that he was not going to, his administration was not going to cooperate with the, with the probe. And we asked her about that news of the day, and she was pretty blunt, wasn't she? Oh, she, absolutely. And when it, people who are watching us closely uh, I think that we've heard a talking point from Republicans uh, basically saying that this is all politics, this is for show, that if it were serious, there would be a vote, and that she was, uh, Nancy Pelosi was afraid to put Democrats on the record. And it's funny, and, and I was a little surprised to hear her say that we're, really it's Republicans who are afraid to vote on it. Uh, so I, I found that to be interesting. And I think the other part, too, in terms of legal strategy, um, she actually reached back to, to Nixon to say that, you know, the the absence of cooperation in and of itself could be obstruction. So she feels like the president is building his own case for impeachment daily with his actions. So uh, she gave us a pretty good glimpse of uh, their thinking and uh, whether or not a one, a, a vote was necessary and two, uh, you know, the strategy for Democrats in making the case to American people. That that is, of course, always the challenge. So when everybody was saying we got an impeachment, well, how long has that been going on? For a long time, right? In the country and and in my caucus as well, that didn't mean anything to me. You know, it was, uh, with all due respect to my caucus, it was like unless the public understands what this is about, and as soon as this hit, when I said when we have the facts, we will be ready. And you've seen the polls change. Now, they could change again. You know, that's the way it is. But the polls have changed drastically. Before, before it was 59-35 opposed to impeachment. Now it's about even. And even among some who oppose, according to some of what we've seen, they are opposing it because they're afraid of what it might do to hurt the Democrats in the election. So it's not that they 
don't think he should be impeached. They just don't think the risk might be worth uh, what we have to do. But again, we don't have any choice. We take an oath, protect and defend from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And we'll give, you know, he'll have full chance. And as I've said to him, we've given you a chance. Show us your tax. Show us your uh, Deutsche Bank. Throw us your Maser accounting firm. Show us these things that if, if they're exculpatory, then you have no reason to keep these from Congress, which the law requires that you give us because of the separation of power. Don't get yourself caught up in extraneous matters about whether we have a resolution. It doesn't matter at all. It's a talking point, and you're talking about it. And that's just the way it is, with all due respect to you. And, and again, we're trying to do this in prayerfully, solemnly, and in a way that is, tries not to be as divisive as a, an impeachment can be, trying to say this, we have no choice, this is the path, fairness and all the rest of that uh, as we go forward. They don't have anything to say, so they're picking up a procedural thing. Talk process all you want. What we're talking about is the Constitution of the United States. She's pushing back on the narrative that there needs to be a vote, which is which is definitely a Republican uh, kind of a, I don't know if talking point is the right word, but it's definitely a Republican line of attack on this is, okay, if Democrats really want to go forward with impeachment, why not put everyone on the record with a vote? It was interesting because she sort of turned that too to say that uh, uh, she knows the rules of the House and, and, and what the path to impeachment can and can't be. Uh, so that was interesting too. She seemed to to uh, to one be paying attention to that talking point and seeing it, uh, it seeing as it's sort of uh, I think I've, we've heard it a couple of times over the last few days uh, to sort of you know couch this as being very political uh, but yes yeah, you took a lot of umbrage to the idea that there's only one path and that uh, that uh, that seemed to be taking some traction I guess somewhere so she really was ready to rebut that. And as you mentioned, the case she made was that this could hurt Republicans in, in sub, the suburbs who have to go on the record opposing impeachment if they vote. But at the same time, we talked a lot about frontline Democrats who are in these districts that, that Trump either won or, or were very narrow, districts that made the flip last year or, or, or two cycles ago, but really the imperiled Democrats. And we're talking, we're, we're sitting here right in the middle of the sixth district where Lucy McBath won an upset victory. It was the biggest Democratic victory in Georgia last year over, over Karen Handel. She is one of those frontline districts who's tried to walk a line on this. She has not outright supported impeachment yet, but she has voted uh, in the House Judiciary Committee to start the process of setting up the formal inquiry. So she's, she's taking a, a un, very nuanced approach to this. And maybe for Nancy Pelosi, not requiring a vote for her members is is aimed at trying to help those frontline Democrats. Yeah, it may be a Republican talking point, but there's no doubt that from a tactical standpoint, uh, there are some politics. There have to be some political considerations behind this. Um, and one of the things she mentioned about McBath, which which I thought was interesting too, is that uh, they're very mindful of how important the sec second election is for a, a congressperson who's new who is trying to become entrenched. So McBath will have, uh, of course, all the advantages of incumbency, but that advantage is pretty small uh, after first term, and especially in a district that you know has the history that this district has. So um, she came here, too, to talk about Lucy McBath. In fact, I thought it was interesting how at the very end, unprompted, all she wanted to talk about was Lucy McBath. Well, we were very proud of our victory with, uh, not our victory, her victory, Lucy McBath, spectacular. Just spectacular. She's one of the few freshmen, maybe there are three, 
who has a bill signed by the president, her a Haven bill, I'm sure you're familiar with it, it's about our veterans and we owe so much to. Uh, and she has been really a star on the Judiciary Committee and on education and labor, but also fighting for our veterans there. So we took great um, pride in that victory. It wasn't easy, but suffice to say, we will be investing here to protect our members, especially Lucy has, you know, the most, uh, uh, shall we say, the second election is a very important one. Uh, it, it appears that one of the things that, whether it's Lucy McBath or whomever, any Democrat who's having to, to, uh, to certainly carry the, the the burden of impeachment, if it is a burden, uh, in districts that uh, where maybe it's not as uh, presumed to be as popular, uh, that the thing that McBath and others will have to do is to rest on one of the lines that Pelosi has, which is it's constitutional, it's a rule of law, it's not politics. Um, that that the president's behavior is uh, historically out of line with other presidents. So this idea that his argument that, that that presidential authority is as broad as he wants it to be, that people will understand it. And I think it, it's going to, you know, we asked the question too directly sort of about, you know, what the American people might understand about impeachment. And she seemed to think that they would. But the president himself uh, certainly is trying to reframe that. Uh, he's reframing it, and he's pretty effective at saying, this is really about me uh, as president, which I am entitled to do, is to root out corruption. This is nothing about me being self-serving politically. This is about corruption. So, you know, we'll see where the polls are. I think she was pretty uh, – she, she, she seemed to be confident that the polling was in her favor, but also seemed to understand, too, that the polling may not hold. Right, you're right, and she she did say that multiple times that hey, polling today couldn't be might, might not be polling tomorrow. What we have seen is national polls show the electorate is split, but narrowly in favor of at least moving forward with impeach, in, impeachment. These are national polls. We have not seen a Georgia poll, but you know you could you could we've seen a six district poll that 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 Republicans put out, but even Lucy McBath's camp, you know acknowledged was probably accurate that so was, the issue was very unpopular in the sixth district but this was also after the Mueller report yeah. but not but, but before the Ukrainian allegations um, in the Ukrainian phone call details came out so um, things are shifting by the day here I'm, I'm and this is uh, maybe breaking some news to some of our listeners but uh, you know we'll, we, we are investing in a poll so we will have a poll in the field uh, fairly soon and we think that we will probably wind up having results uh, uh, in November, so we're we're looking to get in the poll, get in the field pretty soon. Um, but yeah, this is one of the things that we'll want to un understand about statewide voters and what do they think about impeachment. So, so hopefully we'll have a poll that takes the pulse of Georgia, and and that will give us uh, some insight into you know where we where we see this movement. Uh, I think Speaker Pelosi talked about. Uh, that there were some Democrats who were skeptical about impeachment because they felt like uh, it would not it would actually imperil uh, you know their their argument against Trump that it would actually embolden him. Well, you know I think our poll will tell us that, and I'm interested in seeing where Georgia stands on that. Also, too, uh, she talked about of course the suburbs, and so there are voters there too, and uh, it'll be interesting once we get those uh, returns back to see uh, you know how this is uh, polling in the suburbs. I'd be really interested in that. And a couple other um, item uh, threads that came out of our, our, our hour-long interview with Speaker Pelosi, investment in Georgia. Uh, one of the narratives in, 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 among Democrats has been, and we're hearing it from operatives and candidates and high-profile figures, Stacey Abrams included, who said it would be malpractice for National Party not to invest in Georgia at a, at a, at a significant level because of 
the two Senate races, the very competitive um, congressional districts, the, 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 the chance Democrats think they have to flip Georgia, and of course, even a range of state legislative seats that are up for grabs. And we asked her uh, multiple times, what do you think? You're a national Democrat. You've got, you've got, uh, you're, you're, uh, you've got control over some pretty hefty accounts up there in, in Washington. Um, are you going to, are, are national Democrats going to start pouring in resources into Georgia? The, uh, the fact that there are two open Senate seats, it, we have to see an opportunity there. Now, that I'm the House. I know. But, but everything we're doing in the House is to try to win the Senate, the governorships, and the Electoral College. And the Electoral College. So our decisions uh, about where we put resources and the rest at the House level relate to the value added that we can give to the other races. I love Johnny Isaacson. I'm so sad that he's leaving and why he's leaving. Uh, nonetheless, um, we see that as a Democratic pickup. I mean, since you want to talk politics. Sure. But I don't, I, I would, it would be presumptuous of me to go on to Senate turf in terms of what, how, how they size up each of those two races, the one against Purdue and the one for the uh, special, the, I guess it's called a special, the open seat now. And, um, but it, this, Suffice to say, you won't be wanting for attention. Uh, I think the Senate is very interested in Georgia. And we don't even know who the candidate is for president, so I can't really say uh, what they are. But all over the country, in places like the, if, if, with the demographics that we see here, there's so much opportunity for the Democrats. There's so much opportunity for the Democrats. And it would be a wonderful thing, a great imprimatur to win, to win Georgia. So I think there's a, uh, a desire and a, a, an, an attraction uh, to do it. I can't possibly in, in speak for a nominee who hasn't been chosen yet as to what that person's uh, decision-making might be, but I would certainly encourage it. I, I found that to be, one of the things I found uh, to be interesting is she said, uh, she thought Isaacson's seat was a Democratic seat. I thought that was pretty interesting uh, for her to say that. And she spoke well of, of, of our retiring uh, U.S. Senator. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, he will have uh, – the governor will appoint someone to that seat. So uh, when we uh, – when voters actually have their say, uh, there's really no telling exactly what the field is going to shake out to be. But, you know, it, it does say something, too. She spoke, uh, I think, in, in, in some informed detail about the demographics here. Uh, and I think that it, it, it's a reflection, too, of uh, some of the things we know already. Obviously, uh, Georgia is a state where um, we, we've, uh, the AJC, we've actually done some reporting uh, where folks have forecast exactly when our state perhaps might become majority-minority. Uh, Democrats are attuned to that, and, and they're attuned to, uh, you know, when the demographics might actually shake out to be favorable to them, as they are in some other states where uh, you've got a similar sort of makeup racially. But, uh, again, uh, the, the importance of Georgia, I think, probably can't be overstated given what it actually can do for the math of the Senate and certainly for what, what it could mean for the presidential race. And, and, and Speaker Pelosi gave a kind of long, windy answer when, when asked directly about <clears throat> what this means if she'll start, if the party will start pouring in more money to Georgia. But here's the takeaway quote I have is, 
Suffice to say, you won't be wanting for attention. So right. um, I think that was a clear signal that, hey, you know, the party's about to pour in some resources. It might not be as quickly as local Democrats want, but it's coming. You know, the thing that I actually uh, remember, too, in talking about that, when she said he can win. When talking about President Trump, she said he can win re-election. So, you know, whatever happens with impeachment, uh, obviously voters are going to have to go and have their say in 2020 regardless of what happens. Uh, But assuming that he uh, survives and if he's on the ballot, uh, she was pretty clear that he could win re-election. So uh, I thought that was interesting as well, and I think that speaks to how critical Georgia is because there probably isn't a path to the presidency uh, for, for Donald Trump without Georgia. Uh, that math becomes really difficult when you begin thinking about Georgia. And so one of the things I think Democrats will will really hone in on, too, is uh, what that means for the suburbs of uh, Georgia and the suburbs of North Carolina, too. You throw us in the same boat. So, you know, we could be in a situation where the suburbs of Georgia, North Carolina, and other handful of states, you know, might actually be a really big deciding factor in actually uh, whether or not Donald Trump gets reelected. Another really interesting facet of our conversation was when our colleague Tia Mitchell asked the question about Stacey Abrams, um, who is has become close with Speaker Pelosi um, over the years. Speaker Pelosi spoke very highly of Stacey Abrams, but when it was basically pushed on, okay, well, did you press her to run for higher office? Uh, hint, hint, Senate. <laughs> um, and and Speaker Pelosi uh, confessed, yeah, they had they had they had conversations uh, about it, and that she was she assured. Um, Stacey Abrams, that if she was a senator, she wouldn't just be an ordinary senator. I have been a fan of Stacey Abrams for a long long time. She was the leader, minority leader in the legislature and the rest. And we always knew um, sky was the limit for her. Her star was on the ascendance because she's so brilliant, so values-based, so knowledgeable, and so strategic in her thinking. I had hoped she would run for Senate with two opportunities here. She is so committed to her uh, uh, democracy. This is about democracy, removing these obstacles of participation. And uh, so as much as I um, love her and respect her, I had no sway with her in terms of, (laughs) and she knew I love her and knew I respect her, no sway in, in that conversation. Having said that, she has made her decision and she knows, I mean, she made her decision a while ago. And I'm very impressed by what she had, she is doing because it really requires that focus on removing obstacles to participation if we're going to really have a democracy. And not only in terms of, of uh, the recognition that that's necessary, but the confidence that it gives people that their vote matters makes a big difference. And since you asked, I'll just segue into this. Is, is, and, I, and I love Stacy, and she's, she will do a remarkable job. And everybody has confidence in her doing it, uh, leading us in that way. I thought that was pretty interesting, too. I mean, I'm from South Carolina originally. Uh, I saw the rise of Tim Scott in South Carolina, who's the only other African-American in the Senate, and he's a Republican. Uh, so, yes, I mean, it's been a long time since we've had uh, an African-American uh, a U.S. senator. Um, there was one who uh, won office, and then he went on to a bigger office. <laughs> so he's probably our the last well-known black Democratic senator was that guy. Uh, but you know, the the national stage for for her in the U.S. Senate would would be, uh, I think the speaker's right. 
But the other thing that was striking, too, is her talking about uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, why she did not run. And Jim Galloway uh, has written a column about that mm-hmm. that's online now. Uh, you should go check that out, too, and look for that. But uh, he had a one-on-one with uh, Stacey Abrams where he sat down uh, over coffee and talked about uh, why she isn't running, even though uh, there were others who said that she should. You can check that on AGC.com. You can also check out multiple stories about Nancy Pelosi's visit to the AJC newsroom. We'll have a overcome, an all-encompassing story. We'll have separate stories about her, her take on Stacey Abrams as well as her stance and her remarks on abortion, another hot-button issue here in Georgia. Leroy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, I don't get to, to do this that often, but I always enjoy it. And um, I'm glad you guys are, uh, you know, have enough patience with me as I do this. This is amateur hour when it's yeah, me. Right. So, so, Greg, I really hate to sort of, sort of drag down your professionalism. But thank yeah, you. Right. Thanks, Leroy. <laughs> well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.